The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we have Dr. Brian Weiss come to us to to talk to us about new levels of healing with regard to past life regression deeper levels. He'll be appearing at the upcoming I Can Do It conference in Atlanta, Georgia on April the 14th and 15th to discuss this same topic and today we are so fortunate to have him come here to give us a preview and to help us understand past life regression and why it helps us heal and grow. Dr. Weiss is best known for his best-selling book Many Lives, Many Masters and his scientific exploration of the topic which in the field of psychiatry is still considered by many to be bogus. His work is considered by most to be earth-shattering in that it changes the entire view of who we are and what we're doing here. So you don't want to miss this, so hang in for the whole show today. Dr. Brian Weiss is the best-selling author of Many Lives, Many Masters, the true story of a prominent psychiatrist, his young, his young patient, and the past life therapy that changed both their lives, as well as Through Time into Healing, Only Love is Real, a story of soulmates reunited, Spiritual Progress Through Regression, Messages from the Masters, Tapping into the Power of Love, Soul, Many Bodies, Discover the Healing Power of Future Lives Through Progressive Therapy and More. He's the world's foremost expert on past life regression. Dr. Weiss is a Miami-based psychiatrist who has recently closed his practice but continues to conduct national and international seminars and experiential workshops, training other therapists on how to do his work. Uh, he's a graduate of Columbia University and Yale Medical School and is the former chairman of psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami. So we are very glad to get to talk with you today, Dr. Weiss, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Andrea. It's great to be with you on the show today. All right. Well, let's just jump right in. And I guess the first question is going to be, how did you go from being a skeptic about reincarnation to being a believer? I know there's a story there from many lives, many uh, masters, and, and we want to just Talk a little bit about that. Well, I certainly was very skeptical. I was never trained in concepts of past lives, reincarnation, psychic phenomena, spiritual matters, not, not in the traditional medical and psychiatric training. And I was chairman of psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center, as you mentioned. Um, around 1979, 1980, uh, a woman who was a laboratory technician in the hospital suffering from phobias and panic attacks, depression, nightmares, and mostly severe anxiety. She came into my office and we began therapy. She wouldn't take any medicines because she had a lifelong fear of gagging or choking. So I used traditional therapy. I was trained as a, in psychoanalytic techniques also. 
um, for more than a year we did this therapy and there was minimal improvement. And I wanted to use hypnosis, which I had learned as an intern years before, to access memories that I felt she might be repressing, she couldn't access. And hypnosis is a way to enhance the memory. So when finally she agreed to do this, we went back and we found some traumatic memories from her childhood, but her symptoms remained severe. And I remember thinking that we'll have to go earlier, earlier in her childhood, to find where the traumas were that were causing her symptoms in the current time. So in the next session, I asked her to go back to the time where her symptoms first arose. And I would, was thinking that she'd go back to the time in early childhood when her symptoms uh, were caused. But she went back about 4,000 years into an ancient Near Eastern lifetime in a different body and different name. And in that ancient lifetime, she drowned in a flood or a tidal wave, her baby being torn from her arms by the force of the water, but she, the patient, did not have any children in her current life. So it seemed like it was a really odd and unusual thing. But she was um, telling me these things with such detail and such vivid recollection and also a great deal of emotion that I let it continue and she went through this whole, um, what turned out to be a lifetime. And then afterwards, her lifelong fear of gagging or choking, the reason she couldn't take medication, uh, virtually disappeared in one session. And her anxieties were, were much better. So the next week we did it again, and even more clearing occurred. Until um, week by week, remembering other past lives, she was able to resolve all of her symptoms, emotional and physical symptoms, in her case, without using any medicines. And so um, there was a lot more. She, she had this vivid recall. She knew things about me, which were very private and very secret, but she would tell me these things. And I be began with another patient and another similar findings. And that was the beginning for me, from complete skeptic to um, someone who is done this work with more than 4,000 patients in the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. That amazing work, too. It, yeah, I wonder, was that frightening at first to you? It was, it was um, unsettling, yes. I, yeah. I really was closed-minded about these things. I had very little knowledge about it. And fortunately, I remember uh, studying Greek philosophy in college and and recalling that a skeptic is someone who retains an open mind but offers alternative explanations for phenomena. It's not someone who puts things down that they don't know about, who poo-poos things, but, but someone who explores things and offers other explanations. Could it be this? Could it be that? And so I assume that role, and yet week by week as she got better and others came in and got better, and then they started knowing historical facts and details that they had no knowledge of consciously. And that and my scouring the medical literature for other physicians or therapists who were doing this work and what their findings were. And so frightening at first, but then very comforting. Yeah, 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 it, it does tend to do that when you sort of go all the way through to the other end of it. When, you, when you're skeptical about things, you get very comfortable with the uncertainty of it, don't you? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, you you got a lot of criticism on your thesis on past life regression early on. Are you seeing less of that now? And if so, to what do you attribute that? You're, you're right, Andrew. There was a great deal of um, reaction in the beginning, and this was the early 1980s. A great deal of negative reaction from organized groups, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and other groups too. Now I see less so. I think much less so. And some of the reasons are um, there's much more written about it now, not just my books, but other people have been doing this work and writing books. And also media. There's um, radio, like your show here, that reaches out to many people and helps to teach them and inform them. Television, I've been on television shows um, demonstrating what a regression looks like, talking about it, being patient with people who are um, slow to open their minds, but that's okay. I was very skeptical too. The movies have been um, documenting or showing this theme in various ways. So people are much more familiar with it now too. The Internet has helped disseminate knowledge and information all over the world. So people in the West are much more aware of um, theories and philosophies from the East, but also aware of studies that have been going on. And so all of these factors, the Internet and the web, movies, radio, television, magazines, uh, big events, uh, these kinds of things help to make people much more aware, and with their awareness, they talk to other people, so it kind of disseminates outward, like throwing a pebble into a pond and the ripples going outward. In, in the early 1980s, a lot of flack, a lot of criticism, much less so now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, so there is, you mentioned studies. There is some research being done um, now about past lives, particularly over in other countries, are there particular researchers, researchers that you're following, uh, keeping up with, and 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 sort of staying yes, abreast of? Yes, there there really are two levels of of work. One is the clinical, where you don't need to validate through studies. You see your patients, your clients, getting better, and people will resolve emotional and physical symptoms quickly. For example, phobias may resolve when you remember the cause of them from the past life or earlier in the present life. One example is a fear of water and you were drowned in the past life or a fear of heights and you were thrown off a castle wall in the 15th century. Whatever it is, once you identify the trauma, the symptoms seem to resolve. The other level is the validational. So I've had people speaking foreign languages that they never learned. Um, We call that xenoglossy, knowing, as I mentioned, historical facts and details. So this work is going on, the research, all over the world. Uh, clearly in India and um, countries in Eastern traditions, this work is going on even in universities. But in the United States and the Western world also, people are, are publishing more books now. Uh, um, and a psychiatrist in America, Dr. Ian Stevenson, um, he was chairman of the psychiatry department at the University of Virginia, has published uh, over 2,000 cases of children who have had reincarnational-type memories, and he was able to validate those memories. Um, They would remember their previous family, for example, when they were a child, and he would go and interview. If he could locate the previous family, he would interview them and kind of validate what the child was saying. So that kind of work is going on, and now we're also validating the therapeutic work. 
Yeah. So yeah. Research is very active. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so glad because we, you know, that we do have the the skeptic mind in all of us that needs to have some kind of verification that yes, indeed, this is true. We we can't afford to, you know, va- not validate what we find out with regard to intuition and what we learn. We have to right. keep learning, keep growing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some people say, even those who do believe in reincarnation, and we're gonna, we might need to be taking a break here. So if we don't get to finish this, we'll come back after the break. But um, that we, I'll go ahead and ask the question, so the audience will know what we're going to talk about. Actually, we are going to have to take a break. Past life regression is mostly imagination. A lot of people say that it's really hard for us to believe that it's real when we regress. So we're, we want to talk about how you can distinguish between imagination and past life regression when we get back. So stay tuned for more from Dr. Weiss. We'll be back in just a moment. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back today talking with Dr. Brian Weiss. Uh, the Authentic Show Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. Talking with Dr. Brian Weiss today, we're very, very fortunate. He has come today to sort of preview just a little bit about the I Can Do It conference that's coming up in Atlanta, Georgia on April the 14th and 15th. There are still tickets available for that. You can go to hayhouse.com to get your tickets or look uh, Google I Can Do It Atlanta, Georgia. Get your tickets that way as well. We were talking just before the break about a question that I have about uh, past life regression. A lot of people say, well, that's just imagination. It's not really real. So I want to talk with you just a little bit about that. How do you recommend that we distinguish between imagination and past life regression? Sometimes in the beginning of doing regressions, it's difficult to tell because um, um, 
the more that you do it, the more you practice regressions or have regressions, and regressions just mean going back in time, having these memories, then it becomes more and more clear. But some, some points early on are the presence of emotion, because daydreaming or um, kind of light imagination doesn't produce these kinds of emotions that you get during regressions. Also, the specificity of detail. Sometimes people know historical facts, details that they don't know consciously. Uh, obviously, if you're healing a symptom, that's more than imagination because imagination or fantasy does not heal physical or emotional symptoms, whereas regressions do. So frequently, the people that are validating the, the memories are the clients or the patients themselves because nowadays, with access so improved to information and data, they can do a web search, be on the Internet, find out things, that 30 years ago you would have to really spend a lot of time and money and effort to track down, but now you can do it on the Internet. So people are validating their own memories, and that's how you tell. Um, last weekend I was in New York City um, for Hay House, and I was doing a one-day workshop, uh, doing that uh, by myself. We had 1,500 people at the Jacob Javits Center for this workshop, and about 60% of them had a past life experience. And people were getting rid of pain. They were getting rid of phobias. They were understanding relationships uh, because sometimes people have reincarnated with many of the same souls in different bodies, but the, the souls are the same. So this was giving them insight into relationships, um, getting rid of, as I said, phobias and panic attacks and fears and uh, pains like uh, neck pain and they were hanged and... Um, in the previous century, these kinds of things. And that's a proof in itself. That's really an indicator that it's not fantasy or imagination, but actual memory. And sometimes you get a mixture of those things in addition to metaphors or symbols. The whole key is that it's helping you to understand yourself, your real nature, um, that you're not the body, but the soul or the spiritual being or the presence or the consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And that doesn't um, really depend on immediate validation. People just know that, and there was healing all over the place. So those, those are the ways, Andrea, but a lot of the skeptics don't know. They have never been to a workshop. They haven't read any of my books or other books on the subject. They just say, well, uh, it's all imagination, but they don't know that. They, they really haven't studied it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that some people, when they do have a past life regression, they come away from it going, well, that was really, really healing, but was it really real or was it just imagination? <laughs> it's hard for us know. to really wrap our minds around this idea that we really can regress. We can go to the past and the future. Right. Yeah. Because there's no yeah. time. Uh, the time is here in this physical world, this earth, this dimension, but... Uh, physicists know that there's really um, no time. There are multiple dimensions, galaxies, and univer universes are bubbling up all the time. This is what cosmologists, um, astrophysicists are telling us. And we don't question them because they're using rigorous scientific methods, these um, modern physicists and quantum physicists, to study these phenomena. Uh, and yet it's all indicating the same thing. There's much more to us than meets the eye. And we're much more complex than we know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
So at the I Can Do It conference, and again, coming up in Atlanta, Georgia, on April the 14th and 15th, your topic is going to be finding new levels of healing. Can you tell us how healing works through past life? Why is it that remembering a past life trauma helps us heal? In that um, Atlanta conference, by the way, I'll be doing a group past life regression for the entire audience. It'll go on about 30 to 40 minutes, and people will have lots of experiences. And we'll do other experiential exercises there as well. It's not uh, just a lecture. There's a lot of experiential work in the program. And this will give everybody an opportunity to experience what it's like if they want to do that. And it's very exciting because, as I mentioned, people will heal symptoms or understand relationships. And it works very much like traditional therapy. You know, in traditional psychoanalytic therapy, you go back and discover childhood traumas that might be resulting in present-day symptoms. And past-life therapy or regression therapy involves the same principle. You go back in time, but instead of stopping at childhood or early childhood or infancy, you go back into what seem to be past lifetimes, and you find the traumas, the same as childhood traumas. And once you connect to that and understand them, the symptom seems to resolve, to ameliorate, even oftentimes to disappear. The same mechanism as psychoanalytic therapy. Yeah, so I know where it comes from, so really it's not as real as I thought it was. My phobia isn't really telling me about a real fear. It's telling me about something that already happened and I already survived it. Yes, and not something that's going to happen. It's not a premonition. A phobia is dealing with something in the past that's already happened, not something that will happen in the future. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I have been to uh, one of your workshops, and it was also in Atlanta um, a couple of years back, several years back, actually, and um, I was a part of that experiential dynamic, so I would really encourage the listening audience to participate in that because it really does offer healing, and, and it opens your own mind to what you're capable of, what we are as humans capable of. So I think it's a beautiful experience. So I appreciate your work very, very much. Uh, thank you. So, okay, tell us how your work has changed the definition of karma. Well, I, I used to, when I first started reading about karma, I thought about it as punishment. But I realized that it's not. It's not punishment. It's opportunity for growth, for learning. So in the ancient Eastern traditions, karma meant that every action, every thought, every action has a reaction, has a result. If you harm someone in a past life, you have to make it up to them in the present life, or or that kind of um, linkage from the past to the present. But it's really not punishment. For example, if you were, um, let's say, a very wealthy person in a past life, but you didn't practice charity or compassion, you just used your money for personal gain and power, and things like that. In the current life, you might be poor because you have to understand about money being a neutral thing, being given to you in order to help other people, not just to accumulate it for yourself, but it's a tool, a thing. It's neither good nor bad, but can be used for very good purposes. So if you're poor, you realize, oh, there are people who are poor despite um, their best intentions in terms of wanting to not be poor, but maybe born into that situation, They may exist in a deprived culture um, where they don't have the opportunities to break free 
into accumulating money or that kind of thing. So they're dependent, perhaps, on the compassion and charity of, of other cultures or other people who have money. And you realize, oh, I really don't want people to suffer by being poor. I'd love to help them out. That's, that's how you learn about compassion and charity, not just by being rich, but by being poor. So karma is really not just making it up to those people, but it's providing yourself the opportunity to learn. And once you learn the lesson, the karma can be dissolved. You don't have to go on suffering or go on learning. Once you learn the lesson, you can move on to newer lessons. So, for example, you learn the lesson not to be violent because violence doesn't um, doesn't work. It's really not a spiritual practice, and it just creates harm for both the doer, the perpetrator, and the victim. So it's best to be nonviolent, to be loving, because that's what spiritual beings are like. They're compassionate, loving beings, and we're all spiritual beings. Okay, so we have to learn to be nonviolent. Well, once you learn to be nonviolent, you don't have to suffer violence. You don't have to learn how horrible it is. You already know. So then you can move on to another lesson, which might be compassion or might be patience or might be not to be prejudiced or something of that sort. And, and so that's how my understanding of karma has evolved over these past 30 years that I've been working with past life regressions. Yeah, I, ha- I have had, uh, as, as time has gone by in my own life, I've tried to figure this thing of karma out as well, that it seems like this cycle where you just sort of, you keep repeating, well, I killed you in this life, so you kill me in the next life, so I kill you in the next life. Right. You know, it just never seems to evolve to anything more uh, spiritually inclined than that. And, I, uh, you know, that, that, was, that idea is what made me start questioning it. And, uh, yeah, right. I agree that the right. soul, it's a little bit like the soul's intention, isn't it, to, to yes. help us to yes. you can break the to pattern. the next place. Exactly. Break the pattern. Don't do it. Don't kill yes. again. Don't. Let your anger or your rage take over again. Practice relaxation techniques or meditation or visualization. Learn to be calm. Learn to be more patient. And that breaks the cycle. Then there's no more karma. Right. And the intention, you know, there's so much written about it, but it's very important to always remember the spiritual nature of that whole process. It's not for personal gain. It's for the growth, your spiritual growth. And then, then it works much more effectively, I think. Yeah, and you were talking about poverty there, too, the, the idea of sort of a collective a cultural sort of dynamic that sort of sucks that, wor- that piece of the world into poverty. That, you know, I think in terms of karma is such a collective thing, too, that not only is, uh, is it all about I'm being rich and this time so I can give something back, but also perhaps that I'm, a part of a whole dynamic where poverty and richness are just two opposite ends of a polarity, and we need to sort of equalize that as a we, as a collective. Right. But we can talk some more about that after the break, and uh, so we're going to take a break right now. We'll have some more from Dr. Brian Weiss in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Brian Weiss uh, about his upcoming uh, experiential workshop and it's going to be actually a keynote at the uh, I Can Do It conference in Atlanta, Georgia, April 14th and 15th. And uh, so you should get your tickets for that. It's that they, you can get them at Hay House or go online and Google I Can Do It, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, you can get your tickets there as well. So we were talking just before the break about karma and what that means and sort of concluding that it didn't mean the old traditional definition of punishment or reward, but really some way of sort of moving ourselves upward through the cycle of evolution toward a higher and higher consciousness. Um, and, and I want to talk now about just about the soul. So how does the human soul factor into this? Where Are we one soul with many lives? What, tell us about that. Okay. And that's an interesting question. I, I think that's the nature of all being, that we are souls or spiritual beings. That's our real nature, not that we're just physical bodies or brains, that there's a deeper part of us. That's the eternal part. That's the immortal part that goes on from body to body. And the, the whole principle of how it works is that recurring nature of the soul or consciousness coming into and out of physical bodies. So in that sense, we never die because we're never really born. We, we are born into the physical and we leave the physical, but we, the part that exists independently and forever, um, that that doesn't change, that never dies. And so um, I think of this soul as being the core of the whole thing. That's why we're here, to learn and grow along our spiritual pathways. As I said, that's our real nature and that's the substance of which all of us are made. And that we come into physical bodies and brains in order to learn on the earth plane these lessons. So in that sense, it's kind of like a car and a driver. And I'm sure your listeners have heard this metaphor before, but 
we so often think of ourselves as the car, and we have, you know, a black color or white or red or brown or whatever the car's color is, but we're not the car. We're the driver of the car. And so that's the soul, and the car would be the physical body. So if the car wears out, it's got 180,000 miles on it or whatever, and it's getting to be time for a new car, well, then the driver leaves the car and gets into a new one and maybe chooses a different color or a different model of car this time, and that's the whole concept of reincarnation. So the soul is that part that keeps reincarnating our real nature, and that's what we're here to learn about, how we're spiritual beings. And there's that quote from Teilhard de Chardin, the uh, Christian mystic, who said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we're spiritual beings having a human experience. That really captures the nuance of our real nature. Yeah, so what... I'm going to ask a really profound question here, but and it could probably take us, you know, millions of years to discover the answer, but... What, what is the purpose of all that? Why why are we in a body instead of in another soul experience? You know, why, why do we choose bodies? Do you have any notion for that? Well, that's a very good question. I've thought about that one, too. And, and yet, um, we can observe that we're here. I mean, we're here on the earth plane. We have physical bodies. We go from life to life. We're, we're doing it. But why... That, that I think you'd have to know the mind of God. I don't think we know why. Because for some reason, and there are lots of theories, but I don't know that anyone really knows that there's one uh, tr- knowledge of this question that you asked, one version that's all-encompassing and that you'll say right away, oh, of course, because that would be like knowing the mind of God. Why, why does the soul need to incarnate at all? Don't we know everything from the other side? And you, and the answer is nobody really knows why. We're here. We know that. We do incarnate. We know that. But why? That, that's very complex. And people say, well, the soul needs to experience itself or needs to uh, see itself reflected through a physical body. Yes, but why? Couldn't we know all of these things on the other side without having to come into physical form and go through this whole difficult process and lifetime to lifetime because in my way of thinking the earth school is a very difficult school because here in the earth when we take physical form when we take bodies here we have illness disease death uh, aging separation loss violence all these things that don't exist on the other side in our true home so why do we have to go through this and i think in a one way andrew it's like um I thought of ourselves as being like a kindergarten student. You know, we have the first day of school, so we go to school. And we don't like it because we don't have the freedom we had at home. And we say, I don't want to be here. I want to be home. I don't like this. I don't need it. I was perfectly happy at home. Why do I need to come to school? And the answer, of course, is that it's part of your education. You're going to get older. You're going to grow up. You need to learn and understand history and languages and develop skills and you'll be able to work and read and and enjoy life at a much different level. All of these are answers that the kindergarten student does not understand and doesn't even want. And we're kind of like the kindergarten student. We're here just like the student finds 
himself or herself in school. But why are we in school? There are answers, but it would be hard for us to understand why. Yeah, absolutely. And the most amazing thing to me is that we, you know, in spite of all the suffering and the difficulty of being here on this uh, plane, we we keep having babies. We we keep <laughs> joyfully producing things that are meaningful to us. And yes. and you know, I think that's extremely significant. I think that says something about the, the the soul and its energy and its desires. Yes, there there. It also points to the 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 physical beauty of this school, this earth. Because here we do have bodies and we do have sensory organs and things like that. We can enjoy rainbows and smell beautiful flowers and perfumes and see sunsets. We, we, we can feel love. We can feel other wonderful emotions. There are tremendously important um, experiences here and learning opportunities. So I understand all those things, and we're extremely resourceful um, people. We, we make the best of this school because there are such benefits here. And I think it's a place for accelerating learning because here, because of the difficulty of having physical bodies and the beauty at the same time of having physical bodies and brains, we can really progress on the spiritual path. So to have a baby or a beautiful pet, something like that, um, these, these teach about unconditional love. The baby does not have to perform to be loved. You know, it just is, and you love it. And it doesn't have to do much in return. It <laughs> looks at you and coos and poops and does everything, and you still love it. It, does, it can't do that, you know, great deeds for you. It can't go fetch your coffee or do anything. It's a little helpless baby, but it elicits such a degree of unconditional love. That's an incredible lesson about the nature of love. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and it resonates so deeply with us that we just are so often so moved by that and by all the other beautiful things that you described. So it, while there is a great deal of suffering here, and and maybe in part because of our blindness to who we actually are, we we just keep having hope and keep on rolling along. So that that's a lot. That means a whole lot. It does, and I, I'd like to see. I don't know if it will be, but I you know we'd love to see heaven on earth. That is the best that this place can be. And in a world where there is no violence, um, no hatred, no prejudice, the people supported and helped each other, there was cooperation instead of um, endless competition, there was compassion, kindness, um, we still have aging, we still have uh, enough difficulties here, but what a beautiful place it could be if everybody just helped everyone else out and that we saw and recognized every other person as a fellow spiritual being, all of us having the same real nature and treating each other then with respect and dignity and kindness, I think that world would be a wonderful place. We'll, whether we ever get to that level, we'll see, but the possibilities for making this a much um, more beautiful garden, this earth, much more beautiful place. They're, they're there. We can do this. But whether we choose to do it is the big question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, my, I have a theory that that is that that is part of what we are doing here is to bring uh, uh, union to the soul and the body so that the mm -hmm. body sees itself as soul, 
the soul sees itself as body. So it's not just we're in this, you know, physical and uh, corporate entity and then we're going to drop it and have another, but it's also that we're taking this corporate entity into the soul's energy and allowing ourselves to see that it actually is that. So, right. Yeah. And I think, if, and as long as we are uh, beginning to uh, process through into a more and more spiritual awareness, I think we'll, in order to accomplish that goal you just mentioned of, of sort of harmony and peace on earth, we've got to be able to see our bodies as part of that dynamic. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we talked a little bit about the end of suffering. I want to talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned that there is a kind of liberation that we can have. uh, Other religions call it moksha, um, Mm -hmm. a kind of liberation from reincarnation itself. Do you have any notion for how that works? Well, I'm, again, just talking about my own work and research and meditation, and also um, you're emphasizing that more, but... I think at some point in time, we don't have to keep reincarnating here because we've kind of graduated from the school. It'd be like going through grades one, two, five, eight, so on, and then you graduate. You don't have to come back here. You can learn in other dimensions because this is not the only place. Or you can choose to come back voluntarily to help and assist other souls, other people, to progress along their spiritual paths because we're really all connected. It's somewhat of an illusion that we're separate. We're really all connected. And you can see this. We know things about other people. We sense things. We feel these connections. And and we don't truly, completely graduate until everybody else does. So I, I think that there are like um, people or beings that have come back voluntarily. Most of us are not coming back voluntarily, but still learning our lessons. But eventually we do graduate, just like school, and then you're not in that cycle of reincarnation anymore. But you can choose to still come back to Earth and help others. Right. So that's that idea of the Buddhist idea of the bodhisattva. Exactly. It's kind of a a being that's postponed complete liberation to come back and help others. Yep. All right, well, we're going to be back with our last segment with Dr. Brian Weiss. Stay tuned for that. We'll be back in just a minute. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, it's sad but true, but we have just one more segment with Dr. Brian Weiss talking today about past life regression and about the uh, I Can Do It conference coming up on April the 14th and 15th in Atlanta, Georgia, where he will appear for an experiential dynamic that you can participate in. You can get your tickets for that at uh, hayhouse.com or go online and Google the uh, or Bing I Can Do It conference, and you should be able to get your tickets there, too. So I wanted to ask you, if you would, uh, Brian, to just tell the listening audience a little bit about um, some, anything that they can do to connect with you in any kind of way. Um, so if you'll just fill in that gap for us. Yes, I have a website. It's just my name. It's brianweiss.com. And I'm also on Facebook now and Twitter and the YouTube channel that shows um, you know, more videos of questions and answers. And if people go on to that, um, one of those sites, website, they can find my schedule. They can find segments where there are more for questions and answers um, and learn even more. They can, um, it's a great resource, all of those things. I'll be, for example, in Boston the end of April. I'll be in Toronto later in the spring and, um, and overseas, so Italy and England doing conferences. So wherever in the world, um, people are, they can generally find me. And tracking me through one of those social media sites or the website is a good way to do it, very efficient. All right. All right, yes. And, and the work that you do is so very important, so it's felt well worth the tracking. Yes, yes. I, I, it's great to have these interactions with people. I really enjoy the workshops where people, as you mentioned before, you attended one in Atlanta some years ago. It was another... Um, Hey, how so I can do it one, and with multiple speakers, and I enjoy that. But I enjoy uh, offering the opportunity for people to go into deeper states, to practice um, regressions, to have that experience. We also do psychic and intuitive exercises. There's a Gestalt healing exercise that's been very effective. Um, so I, it's something that I enjoy very much to teach and. At these at these large experiential workshops, um, people have just marvelous experiences there. My daughter Amy and I 
have written a, a major new book. It'll be out in October. It's not out yet, but we've just finished it. And it's about the workshop experiences. So people going to Atlanta, the book won't be out before the Atlanta workshop, but it describes the kinds of experiences that people have had in these workshops. We solicited their um, stories and got over a 1,000 responses, of which we picked um, 80 or 90 of which put them in the book. I commented on each one of them, explaining what it means, how it all fits together, what it my reflections on it, and and it just reminded me of how wonderful uh, these workshops have been for me to hear these stories of lives and being transformed, symptoms healing. So I'm looking forward to that new book coming out because that's really a workshop book. And <clears throat> and uh, if people um, you know register to be notified through the website or follow the website or, or Twitter or Facebook, we'll let them know when the new book comes out. So if people are interested in that, I'll be like an alarm clock. When it rings, then the book will be out. Wonderful. That's excellent, yes, because, you know, that experience, one of the things that I enjoyed so much about that workshop that I attended with you was there's just a real laid-back manner about it. It's not, uh, there's not pressure. There's, there's, uh, of course, all the listening audience is very curious and interested and and uh, there's a real camaraderie there, and it's not one of those sort of awkward workshops where you go to and you and you don't know anybody. Everybody sort of blends right in, and it fits really easily, hand in glove. So, uh, yeah, those are really important and 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 uh, laid back, like I said, and easy to do, not so hard to do. No, it's really not. That's why about sixty percent, two thirds of the audience will have a past life memory. In the in the regression experience, in, in, even in a large group, and so that's very exciting to me. <clears throat> in the New York workshop, there were so many new people. In terms of they've never attended a workshop before, I got immediately very excited about that because I knew these people were going to have an experience uh, even that very day, and and they did. I'm getting a lot of feedback now through emails and in other ways of. Their experience is sometimes right in the regression, but many people uh, that evening um, in a dream or some other way had, had answers to their questions, memories, uh, knowledge, meeting also with loved ones who have died and gone to the other side. There were a lot of messages that people were receiving in these deeper states too, kind of people were becoming their own mediums. So all of that's very exciting, and uh, I've been blessed to be able to do this work. I'm grateful that you had me on the show so that we can talk about these things. Oh, absolutely. I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm sure the listening audience is too. Uh, have you ever heard of someone having a somebody else's past life regression? I mean, it's like you're in a group of people and somebody has somebody else's regression. Is that possible? It's possible. Usually you get your own, you know, and, and it's kind of signaled by an intensity of the emotion and acuity of detail. But oftentimes we come back here in soul groups or soul families. We've lived many times with uh, the same souls. And the relationships can change. Your your grandmother may come back as your grandson, say, that kind of thing. But it's the same soul in a different body. And, and sometimes when you have regressions, you can tap into a soulmate's experience because you've shared that 
in some, in many ways. Maybe you were actually there at the same time too, uh, living together. So it's possible, but we don't find it that often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, somebody mentioned that to me a while back, and I was like, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> yeah, you're so connected. I've, I've had, though, patients sharing the same dream the same night. Like, um, oh, yeah. I remember a couple having a baby, and the wife was pregnant with the baby, and they didn't hadn't picked a name yet. They didn't know the sex yet. I think she was about four months pregnant, something like that. And... Um, they both had the identical dream on the same night. The baby came to them, telling them why she was choosing them as parents, what she wanted her name to be, um, and more detail. And one uh, woke, they woke up, and the, the husband said, "I just had the most incredible dream about our baby." And, and his, his wife said, "And so did I. It was remarkable. She came to me, and they agreed on all the details." The girl, the name, everything, and and that's what they named her when she was born. That's amazing. Yeah, I have had that experience stories. of dreaming the same dream, the partner dreams, and, and that is extremely interesting, and it does bring you a whole lot closer too. But that's pretty profound. Having, yeah. having the baby come and tell you what it wants—that's really cool. I know. Yeah, so, you know, what this whole conversation does is expand our awareness into who we actually are, what what it means to actually be a human being with a soul. You mentioned yeah. earlier that we were complex beings, and uh, this this really does expand our awareness about what that means. Most of the time when we say we're complex beings, we mean we're pretty screwed up, but... <laughs> But, you know, actually what, we, what we're saying here is the complexity is something of a mystery that we get profound bits of information from our own souls. I like that you said that mystery, Andrea, because that's really what it is. And in answer to that really deep question you asked before about the, the purpose of all this, why do we come here, it's still a mystery. There's a lot of mystery there. We're spiritual beings. We, we have this depth of... Um, that we don't even fully recognize depth of being, different levels, uh, much greater than just the body or the brain, and yet there's still a mystery to it all. And that, in some ways, that's okay. We don't have to know everything. Yeah, there is a certain kind of peace we get from just sort of surrendering to the mystery. It's not, you yeah. don't have to explain it or just, just be a part of it. Right. We may not even have the capability to understand all of it, but to surrender to the mystery and understand, you know, the outlines of our spiritual nature, maybe that's enough. Yeah, for now anyway, at least Yeah, we have to act like spiritual beings. We should do that first before we have to say, oh, I have to know everything about this whole process. Yeah, I think that we want to know everything because we don't, we'd rather know than, than do. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you, Brian, and I'm certain that our listening audience has really gotten a lot from what you had to say today. And uh, and so I so appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, too, Andrew, for this opportunity. All right. And next week we're going to come back. We'll be talking more about your soul and its lives. So stay tuned for more of that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.